At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are joined by a very special guest, the uh, car winner, the fantasy number one overall ranked coach of 2022, Matty Mottram. We're going to be picking his brain. Let's go. Welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. And again, joined once again by the uh, the uh, the newbie. <laughs> newbie. Don't call me that, mate. <laughs> well, newbie Luke, to the, uh, the podcasting world, I'd say. Luke Rogerson at, uh, at LukeRojo17 on and, Twitter. Uh, and also joined by the, uh, the ever, well, becoming famous uh, <laughs> personality in the AFL Fantasy community, uh, Matty Mottram. Uh, welcome to the show, mate. Good to have you on. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I've uh, been a follower of yours for a while for the basketball, mate, so it's good to see you getting into the AFL. You did quite well last year. Yeah, well, uh, I was saying to uh, to you just before the show, we started recording, that it was um, it was very uh, interesting to sort of... I was up there, very up high, close to the buys. We won't talk about what happened after the buys, but, <laughs> um, you know, I was sort of scoping out my competition and looked at you in the, the number one ranked spot and uh, discovered that you were, you were already following me because of the... Uh, the uh, fantasy basketball side of things, so that was that was pretty cool to sort of see um, that the uh, Australian fantasy community uh, spreads across different platforms. So no, it's good to have you on. I'm sure you'll give uh, this podcast a little bit of credibility. <laughs> it needs of, it. Got it needs this, it. Uh, this little makeshift hat in the front here. Um, um, how, how are you doing since you see, since you won the car and won the cop last year? Has it has it all settled in? I know you've been doing a lot of interviews and stuff like that with several different podcasts. Uh, How's it all? How's it all feeling since the finish? I uh, haven't been doing a lot over the over the break. Uh, obviously, finished up. I work in a school. Finished up, and uh, just been really taking it easy and enjoying the basketball mostly, and not really thinking about fantasy except for a few little uh, interviews I've had to do here and there. So, how, how yeah, is your, hopefully, how is I can your get... fantasy basketball season going? Just just while we're here, it's not too bad. I'm in one cash league um, with mates who. It's pretty competitive. It's only 10 team this year, so it makes it a bit different. But I'm sort of like sitting around fourth, but it's pretty competitive, pretty close. Not sure if I got the team to win it, but we'll see how we go. Yeah, right. Who'd you, who'd you start the, the team with? Who was your first round? Uh, I sort of went that strategy uh, that Josh Lloyd talks about, that even approach, because it's a bidding um, oh, option. Y- y- yep, salary cap. Um, 
Sorry, yeah. auction, auction uh, draft. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I got guy. I ended up trading for Halliburton, so I've got nice. him sort of leading the way for me. Okay, cool. No, I like I like him. I've got him in a, in the. Uh, what have I got him in? The Fantasy Basketball World Cup team. I've got a few leagues. Running, this this so. is quickly turning into a basketball podcast, yeah. guys. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's steer back to footy. Um, I, first of all, obviously, you were the winner last year. Um, but what have you... I know you've been playing uh, AFL Fantasy for a little while. Um, what was your What was your best finish? or How high have you finished before taking it out last year? And, um, uh, and sort of what's your road been up until that point? I haven't really done it super seriously until about two years ago. Yeah. Um, like I used to do it for a bit of fun, but I didn't really give all my time to it. And I put a bit more time into it a few years ago, and I would do a bit of work with students in a high school. And one of the students was like ranked a thousand after week one, so I pretty much ran and helped him run his team for the year, and we took it to 18th that year. Wow. So Impressive. he ended up giving me his 18th cap. This was two years ago, so I was pretty stoked to have that. Uh, myself, I think it was around 400th or something in fantasy was the highest I finished. I never really got up there. Yeah, yeah. But um, look, it's a hard game to master and um, you got to have luck on your side as well. Yeah, it is. It is a game that definitely revolves around. Well, there's a lot, obviously a lot of skill, and um, you know you've got to make the the right decisions at the right times. But there is definitely a huge luck element uh, component to it. So, um, and and it's it's only getting more competitive, in my opinion. I think the mm. the amount of platforms and podcasts out there, all the information that's growing, uh, the CBA numbers, as an example, are more readily available. So. Uh, I think to to finish anywhere close to that top one thousand, two thousand uh, is 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 a really good good finish. So it's an achievement for sure. Uh, now, yeah. Matt, I must admit I, I've got a bit of a love hate relationship with you. Now that I've met you, I, you seem like a good bloke. But I must admit, looking at the rankings every week last year, I thought oh, I hate this bloke. He just <laughs> he's sitting pretty up the top. We're all cellar dwellers down the bottom. But you seem like a good fella now, so I'm, I'm glad you got the high lux. But interestingly, Mitch having the NBA. Um, Pod. I think we might have a few new listeners here and maybe a few new fantasy people. So I want to pick your brains a little bit on what would be sort of your number one piece of advice for somebody starting fresh with fantasy footy? Uh, I suppose, first of all, just enjoy it. Like, play it and enjoy it. Um, I think that's the best thing you can do, even if it means picking a couple of players you really like yeah. and having them in your team. I think just as a beginner, that's, that's really essential. Um, other than that, I think following feeds on Twitter. There's certain feeds on Twitter. You need to have uh, an account on Twitter, have a presence on Twitter and follow some of the accounts. Otherwise, you're not going to keep up with all the things that are they're talking fantasy, I think. You, you boys would be have a presence on Twitter, I'm guessing. We're working on it. <laughs> no, Mitch has got a good one. He's, he's encouraging me to dip my toes in the water. So I think I, I think I might be at 20 followers at the moment. So I'm really flying. That, that's a good reminder. Everyone go follow Luke Rogerson on Twitter. Uh, Luke, Luke Rogerson 17. I desperately need the help, people. Please. But no, we, we, will be, uh, we will be tweeting out our opinions, but also some stats and interesting things that we find throughout the preseason. And also, obviously, when the season starts, um, you would know that like come Thursday night teams, even leading up to those Friday night lockouts, uh, a lot can change in a very short short period of time and with the rolling Definitely. lockout uh, especially now these days it is a uh, it is something that you do have to be switched on uh, pretty uh, pretty constantly over your weekend which some people like some people don't like um, we'll, we'll sort of maybe touch on that later uh, but again I think what we want to focus today's podcast is I know obviously we're in January at the moment 
We haven't quite. We're still very early in the preseason, so I want to really maybe focus in on like your starting squad uh, philosophies. We might talk about your starting squad from last year and really just hone in on there and maybe um, you know talk a bit more trades and, and rest of the season down the line. But so when we're talking preseason, Matt, how, how do you approach like this part of the preseason, or how did you approach it last year? Like, are you uh, are you usually getting into it about this time, or and also how do you go about collating all the data and and sort of stuff that's out there at the moment? Well, last year, yeah, I sort of started drafting teams and thinking about it. I think in November, December. Yeah, right. I was on it really early, and I actually had the goal in my head. I said to a few students, "I'm going to actually try and win it this year." So it's funny that it oh, actually you worked it. out you've that done way. LeBron James, you've, you've <laughs> called it before you won it. <laughs> I didn't really think I would, but you've got to go into it thinking that you're a chance. Yeah. And yeah, I did. And I did the research and I just started sifting through ideas and playing with it. Nothing concrete. You know, I don't have spreadsheets or anything like that. I just sort of make notes and write down different options. And then that sort of evolves as the preseason evolves. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not a spreadsheet man. Are you, are you using um, other sort of, I guess, um, Data collection, data tools, collection that kind tools of thing. Or, or any other yeah facilities or anything like that at all? Um, well, there's a lot of good um, – I listen to a lot of the pods. I think it's essential that you listen to the main AFL Fantasy pods. So do you want me to list them off here for yeah, advice so, for everyone? Ball or? Boys AFL Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, number one, Ball Boys. Um, yeah. No, do you want me to give yeah, out no, – Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Them? There's a bunch of good good information out there, yeah. What, what ones are your if, main ones that you listen to? Um, well, first of all, I encourage everyone to go sign up to the Mariah Magic um, yeah. Footy uh, was, AFL I was, Fantasy I platform. That. I was I was a member last year and, uh, and and also the year before that. It's a it's a really good platform, yeah. so I can co-sign that. And it, and it goes to a great cause, uh, to Starlight Foundation. So he's a great guy, Selby. And yeah. look, the, the weekly feeds and even the preseason stuff you get there on players that helps you with your research and coming down. You you know, so you're picking between one player and another player can give you some crucial um, stats to make that decision. So that's pretty good, I think. Um, have you ever heard of Plus Six Podcast with Pete and Jepper? Yep, I'm familiar. They're, they're really ratings. good. After a, yeah, AFL Ratings. So yep. follow Pete, AFL Ratings. You'll get all your news through him, even if you can't keep abreast yourself, follow him. Um, guys at Hat Chat. You heard of the guys at the Hat Chat? They're, they're excellent. And then there's the pod pod. And, of course, make sure you listen to and follow the AFL traders. Those guys are legends. They and you've got to be listening to them every week. <laughs> so there's such a great, great bunch just, of Just for the entertainment to. value, those boys are, uh, are worth a listen, aren't they? They're, they're funny boys. They are for sure. Yeah. I also, also they, they can, find, obviously, they've got, a, they've got a very large audience, probably one of the largest in the, um, in the community. And I think even if you disagree with some of their opinions and what they're saying, it can be also be good to be in tune with, the, I guess, the general consensus of the AFL fantasy community and and if you have a differing opinion then you sort of know that perhaps okay if I if I'm thinking this but everyone else is thinking this I might be going against the grain a little bit here um so uh, there's a lot of information out there but I would still I don't know if you would agree with this Matt but you still got to you still got to form your own opinion um you know and just because just because all everyone's sometimes it can sound like an echo chamber with everyone sort of repeating Mm. the same things but um I think last year you know, talking starting squads, 
in my opinion, I started with Andrew Brayshaw last year and he was one of the biggest successful picks of mine and he wasn't really getting talked about a lot. I think uh, from memory, the Statesman was, was one of the guys that mentioned him a little bit, but it wasn't really something that was getting talked about a lot. So, And I still stuck with my guns and, and picked him and ended up being a decent decent selection. I know you were, you were uh, successful with your pick with Tim English last year and I don't think he was getting talked about a lot. So um, you still no. got to, I think, back yourself in there. Um, would, you, would you agree with that? Hundred percent. I mean, there's a certain amount of information out there that everyone's going to have similar similarities in their team. So a lot of the rookies, even some of the mid prices, everyone knows about them. You're going to have them in your squad. Um, I would say don't be different just to be different. Yep. But if you're set and confident on something and you know something, have a gut feel on something, back yourself. Yeah. Start start them in your team, and you know that can really catapult you up the rankings if you get that right. Yeah. Absolutely. It was, uh, mm-hmm. it was good to hear you say then, um, Matt, that you're not a spreadsheet man um, either because I think sometimes people get this notion, oh, if I'm, if I'm going to win it, if I'm going to go for a hat, I need to have 16,000 spreadsheets and formulas and all this thing. So it's nice to hear that, I think, for people listening, um, that you can be very successful without diving into it um, too deeply. Now, we couldn't talk about 2022 uh, without mentioning Braden Proust. Mitch desperately wants to know, what led you to start with him on your bench? Am I correct in saying that, that you started with Proustie on your bench as a value option yeah. last year? And yeah. what led uh, you to that was decision? He just, was he suspended first round or something like that? He I'm was, trying yeah. to remember. So I yeah. think he was, yeah. was it suspended or injured. Or, I know he was, I think it was suspension. <laughs> yeah. He had we, too many things we going last year. We were pretty confident he was, he was coming back around too. But I'm looking at your starting squad here. Yeah, you've got Grundy and English as your starting rucks and then, and then Proust yeah. on the bench. Just wanted to get your thought press behind that. I know we're probably... Um, you know, asking a lot for the memory there. But. <laughs> Doing a deep dive. No, I, look, I do remember because I, I listened to everyone in the preseason. That's part of my research. And um, there's a lot about the set and forget, Gorn and Grundy, Ruck combo. Yep. And I just wasn't super confident in both of them. Mm. So, and Gorn is pretty highly priced. And one of the things I do with my starting squads, and most people know this, is you look for value. You look for guys who can outscore their average or what they're priced at. And, Gorn is really highly priced, and I heard a bit about English as well, some really positive things, and getting on news feeds, like I heard that he put on a bit of muscle, that he was going to take over the number one mantle, and Jack McCrae said stuff about his leadership and how well he's doing, and I thought I'd back English in. But getting back to Proust, I just thought he's a great cash cow option, gives you flexibility on the bench. Yes, it's going to cost me a little bit more on the bench, but I've got that back up there. And if something goes wrong on the rocks, if Grundy doesn't work out, I can use him and switch it around. And in the end, it actually worked out that way for me. Yeah, it is interesting because obviously, I think it was a couple of years ago, or maybe a few years ago now, that um, Riley O'Brien was a successful uh, cash cow that was a little bit more expensive than maybe you'd want to pay for someone on your bench, but ended up being someone good enough that you could throw into your field. And so, and now Bruce was a similar kind of uh, pick in that vein, um, and especially the fact that he wasn't starting in round one. Uh, it was a it was a ballsy move, but obviously one that early season uh, definitely seemed to pay off, and uh, not many people would have done that. So yeah, kudos for you for for making that move. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on um, round one last year. I can again, I'm looking at your team here. You've gone and had you've got 30 green dots. I noticed that you've got the emergency here on Corey Durden. If you my question is, if you had the emergency on Nick Martin in round one when he scored his big 130. Um, would you have looped him in to get that score and taken uh, uh, carried a red dot into your round one team, or are you a are you a thirty green dots man? I'm not essentially a thirty green dots man, but I do think it's a good idea to have him if you can. 
Is there, um, is there a line? See, is there like a point at which you go, that's worth taking? I mean, if I had Nick Martin's score there, I probably would have been tempted to loop it. But as the year went on, I had so many injuries. Um, there were so many red dots that having that, that one less rookie who's generating cash, it actually catches up with you and, and it doesn't really help you in the long run. So if you can see my round one team, I had all the big scores on the bench. Yeah, so I didn't start that Jim well Hayes. and I missed out on him. Yeah. 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 I missed out on him. But, um, you know, sometimes you get those calls wrong. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, but it still didn't hurt me um, in the long run. It's an interesting one because I was I was the I was someone that did have Nick Martin as an emergency. I took that score, and I obviously that the person I filled that score with was then Elijah Hollands. And I was listening, I think, to the to an interview with um, the the guy who came second, and I think he was in a similar boat. And um, so I'm I'm wondering, it, it's very hard to tell those kind of things, like how much it hurts you and and yeah. how much it affected you moving on, because I don't. I don't think I particularly remember struggling too much with cash, but again, I did peak in the buy rounds and faded towards the end. So maybe that little bit of extra cash might have helped me in the, the back half of the season. But again, it's it's a tricky one to know exactly how much that thirtieth player would have helped you in a, in a season long game. So um, yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting take. Kind of uh, talking rookies kind of segues uh, into our next question, Matt, as well. Um, you mentioned before you're obviously listening to all the pods. Is that the same way that you, you sort of find the best rookies to pick or is there anything in sp- specifically that you do in terms of rookies? Rookies, Because I know a lot of people starting off, they go, oh, yeah, I know that player. I've seen that player play. But when it comes to the rookies, it's obviously a little bit difficult, uh, a little bit more difficult, should I say, to get uh, intel. Is there anything else? Yeah, I don't specific? know if you know. Um, yeah, one of the guys on, um, on Twitter who I'm good friends with, uh, Jepper, he does a, a few segments called Jeppers Juniors, yep. and he's really good at knowing which rooks are good. So I'd say look out for what he says about yeah, the rookies. Uh, yep. Also, yeah, also just look at uh, listen to what the coaches say because normally leading up to round one, you, you hear what the coaches are going to say about who's going to start and who's going to get a game. And yeah, you, I follow that. Do Do you think that like are you prioritizing job security, scoring ability? Um, is there or just sort of a, a general mixture of the of the two, uh, or is one more important in your eyes when it comes to rookies? Look, you, you'd like them to have job security, but sometimes you can't be 100% guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, guys like Nick Dacos, you knew straight away, he's a gun, he's got job security, it's a no-brainer. You think someone this year like Will Ashcroft is going to be the same. Yeah. Um, those guys are easy picks, but it's the ones, the fringe ones, when you're trying to fill up your bench, um, just you know, keeping a, a, an eye on news feeds and what's going on out there, whether you pick them or not. Yeah, because I, really I, I know last year I um I think I faded Rochelle in round one uh, in favour just to get that little bit of extra cash and um I thought you know because he's he's playing a half forward kind of role like he he's a good player but I didn't think that role was was suited for scoring and of course he comes out and scores a hundred in the first first round and that kickstarts his cash generation um so I think um my learnings from that last year is that sometimes I think you just got to pay up for some of those rookies that yeah. um you know have that pedigree coming in and, and you know they're sort of locked into the side and um you know it, it only takes one or two scores for them to really go gangbusters and for the score, the, the cash to start start ticking over. Um, next question for, for you here, mate, is um, we're, we're thinking about um, sort of like how you, how you go about 
deciding your teams when it comes to preseason games. It's a it's a very hectic time when it comes to uh, adjusting your team. There's yeah. a whole lot of information yeah. that comes out. Um, you know, you're talking about people who score really well. I think a couple of years ago, Jaden Short comes out and scores 170, and everyone jumps onto him. <laughs> uh, like, how much weight do you put into the the preseason games, the scores, and and what exactly are you looking for when it comes time for those preseason games? I think they're important. You need to put some weight on them. Um, it's not just uh, important who's playing. It's important who's not playing. So you might have some of the, the big guns out, and so some of the lesser lights are getting bigger scores because of it. So you've got to take note, firstly, of who isn't playing. Yep. Um, the main reason for the preseason, I think, is to watch the rookies, yep. watch um, how they're performing, how the coach is playing in. And also, you know, guys who um, change clubs, you know, say, for example, I'm a Bombers man. I'm a big fan of Will Setterfield. Yeah, so he's yeah. going to the Bombers this year, and there's a lot of articles out there already about him coming across because he wanted an inside midfield role. Yeah, right. So if he gets the inside midfield role, I'm not sure I'd select him, but it'd be pretty good value if he plays in the guts all yeah. day and gets, gets that role. Yeah, so things like that, yeah, watching the roles um, and just, yeah, how they're playing in the preseason is important. It's definitely, definitely spot on. Like something we spoke about on the last pod was that you can't just be heavily reliant on looking at the stats and yeah. following Twitter. You do need to yeah. watch the games because sometimes the stats lie. You've got to watch how players score their points. Otherwise, you can um, you can be in all sorts of trouble if their role changes or if the game style changes. Yeah. And, and with the um, – I was just going to say, with the, the main guys, you big, big dogs, they don't really take the preseason super seriously. Nah, that's so. it, eh? Teams, teams run around. so many numbers through the midfield sometimes in preseason games. Yeah. You know, 15 midfielders and you wouldn't know where to look. So that's a good point. So if you set on someone, say you set on, um, I don't know, um, Jack Steele or something and he comes out and he gets an 80 and he's just blowing out some cobwebs and don't change your mind, you know, based on one game. Unless there's a major role change. If you see a major role change, that's when you've got to, got to take note. Um on that, what, what do you think about players who miss preseason games or, or don't play any? Like, for example, I know that I think it was uh, I was looking at Jordan Dawson last year, and he I think he missed both preseason games, but still fronts it up for round mm. one. Um, looking at again your team here, I fell into the exact same trap and selected a Wayne <laughs> Millerer. Um, yeah. I think I think for me, for him, he was I fell into the trap a bit there of having him in my team all preseason, just assuming that I'd locked him away. He's good value and. And when he wasn't sort of playing, it was like, oh, shit, I've got to find uh, a, a replacement. And it kind of threw my structure out. So when he was named, I sort of went, oh, okay, I can plug him back in and, and go back to that structure that I was happy with. But it ended up being the wrong call. Do you think that there's, like, do you have a rule where if they don't play a preseason game, you can't select them round one? Or, or what are your thoughts on that kind of a scenario? Look, I think if someone's battling an injury and, and doesn't do a full preseason, definitely don't start them, I reckon. Yeah. Um, if, if he's had a full preseason and then just got a little injury, it's a sort of a, a lot, a 50-50 call. I, I think I remember that with Dawson and um, yeah. I liked him, but I didn't start him because of that injury. Um, yeah. But I got him in pretty early. But as you touched on Miller, this shows you I, I, did, I had a far from perfect starting squad. Yeah. And I think from memory in the back line last year, we were really struggling for rookies. It was, so, no, it was Paddy McCartan and that was it. Yeah, so you're really looking for for some guys to fit in there. And, you know, I think I had Sicily in my team and I swapped him out last minute to get some cash elsewhere and put Miller in. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. And then, yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the first trade in the first week was a correction trade, bring in Sicily, get rid of Miller, and it really just made a massive difference to my team. 
teams. So you don't have to have a perfect starting squad. Now, talking um, starting squads, this is one I'm really interested to pick your brain on. In terms of how you go about adjusting your team during the preseason, are you the kind of person who kind of puts it in and then just tinkers with parts, or do you go, hey, I've set a team up, and then you take a screenshot and then you wipe the whole slate clean and, and start fresh build from the bottom bottom up, or are you more of a tinkerer? Yeah, I think I'm more of a tinkerer. You okay. put your players in. You know, you might have a few guys, for example, in the forward line this year. Most of us will start Josh Dunkley. Yeah. Um, Forward, he's going to be playing in the midfield. So maybe you have, you know, um, Taranto and Caniglio in there. Like you'll have your main premiums in there, you know, and then you'll sort of tinker around that. And I, I'm all play with structure. So okay. the rookies, mm. you got to wait to see which rookies are available. Yeah. Yep. And the rookies will dictate your lines, like where your primos are, where your rookies are, and how many you have in each line. Okay. So if there's no rookies in a line, then you got to fill it out somehow another way. So that'll dictate your structure. Other so, areas. Does that make sense? Yes, yeah, so that was sort of my my sort of follow up question. Was your based on what you said there? You're kind of building from the rookies up. You're going, okay, what rookies have I got in, and then what money does that leave me for premiums, or is that sort of what I'm getting there? Yeah, it sort yeah. of goes hand in hand. Rookies dictate a lot of your structure because do. if you don't have rookies in a line, then you have to fill out with mid prices and lower yeah. price guys. Um, but I also have my main premiums in there as okay. well, and you know, you, you, you get a pretty good idea once the competition opens up. Other salary cap and fit out yeah. your team. AFL you know, fantasy, um, we're waiting, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, it's hard to play around with it, but um, it is very early. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think I think I, I I agree with you in terms of those rookies that they definitely di- dictate your structure. I'm I'm a big fan of once those preseason games come along and we have a better idea of the the rookies and who's probably going to be there for round one, starting fresh and just deleting my team and <laughs> and then maybe putting those rookies in first and then adding in the guys that I absolutely want to make a part of my team that I'm locking in, um, and then the guys I'm a bit on the fence, okay, who can I put where, um, and and doing it that way, but I don't think that there's a a right or wrong way, Um, but I do agree with you that obviously, um, don't don't force, and I think this is a learning from last year, don't force a structure that you've had all pre-season just because it's been the way you've done it when the rookies don't allow it. like, And I think the Wayne Miller example is kind of an example of that where, where we didn't have the rookies available in uh, the defence. We kind of needed to go a bit heavier and spend a bit more money in that, that line than maybe we were doing you know, a month before the season started. Yeah, I think I think Wayne Miller was giving a lot of people nightmares there after oh, yeah. <laughs> the first couple of rounds. So. He got dropped, I'm we, pretty sure, after round we, one. Yeah, so. we, we yeah. weren't alone on that one. Yeah. We weren't alone. Now, next one for you, Matt, I'm interested to hear this one as well, is what sort of time breakdown would you say that you spend on fantasy? Because, uh, again, there's probably people out there thinking, <laughs> there probably people out there thinking, do I have to spend 18 of every, you know, 18 hours of every day on fantasy footy? Or what sort of, what sort of time do you spend both pre-season and then in-season? This year, not much so far. Yeah. But last year, so um, break, the mate. year I won it, yeah, last year, the year I won it, I was like, Already just making some notes. Um, look, you don't. You can be smart with the way you use your time. Yep. Like I've got a commute to work that's about fifty minutes to an hour, so I'll listen to pods on the way to work on the way back. So that fills in a couple of hours of the day. That's perfect. I'm getting getting information that way without wasting my time. You know. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to put an actual figure on how much time you spend, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think everyone's different, but just taking notes, um, putting things in your, marking things in your Twitter feed and stuff. Like I've got a message um, system set up with my dad. Yeah, so okay. when something comes in Twitter, 
right, that yeah. I'm interested in for fantasy, I'll shoot it through to him and then I can just feed back through the messages and we can bounce off them. Yeah, nice. So yeah, it's definitely. a way to keep a, Work keep smarter, a record not of them. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... Together, stay together, is that right? <laughs> Families that fantasy together, I like it. <laughs> so nice. I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but you definitely need to spend time thinking about it and, and, and following stuff for sure. I, I think that's good advice and most people will find a little bit of time in their day, whether it's, um, like you said, on in your commute to work or whether you're at the gym to just throw the earphones in and listen to a podcast. So yeah. I think that's manageable for most people. Um, so it kind of doesn't limit um, hat winners to people who are... Who are um, you know, spending, like I said, 18 hours a day. Well, I was going to follow that up. Do you think, yeah. do you think there's a point at which you can spend too much time overthinking it and sort of getting in your own head? Because I found that when I was a bit higher up and experienced that sort of double-digit rank for the first time, um, I, I spent maybe a bit too much time overthinking some of my trades and, and maybe my initial thought was was the best thought and, um, you know, double double guess myself a bit too much. Do you think that that's a possibility? And did you experience that? I mean, obviously you won it last year, so maybe not. But um, do you think that that's a possibility? 100%. I reckon you're spot on. Um, My season was sort of a a split into two halves. Mm. The first half and into the buys, I was really backing myself and I didn't really think too much about my decisions. A little bit. I evaluated them a little bit, but just backed, backed my gut. And then the last half, Obviously, I took the lead very early, and being a fan of fantasy, I knew people don't hold on to leads very long. It's very yeah, rare. Yeah, it is rare. So I put a lot a lot more time into thinking about my decisions, and it probably didn't help me as much as I thought it would. And, and I was second-guessing myself a few times, and when I went back to you know, trusting my gut, it seemed to work better. So, yeah. Definitely, uh, I think so. And um, I guess the uh, the other thing is that the last couple of seasons, the rolling lockout has been another another little um, uh, spice that's been added to fantasy. Where we yeah. a couple of seasons ago we were we were you know Thursday night partial lockout, Friday night full lockout. Now it's something you've got to be keeping on top of injuries, late outs, all those kind of things yeah. uh, moving forward. Yeah. So it can take its toll. Do you are you a, are you a fan of the the rolling lockout or are you a kick your feet up Friday night kind of man? Well, the reason I got into fantasy in the first place is because I had the uh, the lockout on Friday night. Yeah. I used to play another game. We won't name what that game was. <laughs> I had a rolling lockout, and I had some quite successful years in that. Um, and I thought, you know, it takes up a lot of your time. I'll, I'll you know, more time than fantasy because at least in the weekend you can just sort of switch off. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you want to enjoy it at uh, some point. You don't want to be anxious about. Oh, is this bloke going to yeah. be laid out? Yeah, I'm on with you, mate. I'm with you. And then uh, yeah, fantasy and COVID happened. And, Everything's history now. It's all rolling lockouts. So, do you think? Yeah. Uh, do you think happy, happy days. Do you think yeah. your experience with that other format um, uh, helps you with with you know the last couple of years? Obviously, um, you know, being a bit more accustomed to that rolling lockout lockout strategy, and you know things like looping and, and uh, vice captains and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, I think it definitely helped me. Um, it doesn't take long to to get used to it and yeah, work it out. So. so, but yeah, it helped me initially, but. It took took me a little while. Last year was my first year, and I think um, I think I had to take a Robbie McComb vice captain score at one point because <laughs> I stuffed up the loop. So I'm uh, that yeah. won't be happening this year. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully, I feel like we've all done that at least one point yeah, in our NFL fantasy careers. So. Yeah, you got to have at least one. So that was me last year. So um, we'll we'll, um, we'll come to an end in a second here, but before we before we do, um, just wanted to get maybe your your takes on a few. Let's go maybe through each line. I, I know you said like obviously the game's not out yet, but and you haven't had too much of a think about it just yet. But maybe yeah. one person in each line that you uh, 
thinking will be a good uh, improvement this year or maybe present some value or you think that team should be looking at? Um, I'll leave the criteria quite open, someone that you're just interested in, in watching from each uh, line. Let's start with maybe the defenders. Well, it's hard. I haven't really looked at the defenders much. I, I think this year the defenders and the rucks are probably the two most challenging lines to pick. I agree, for sure. Um, I haven't given the defenders a real strong look. Um one of the guys I like is uh, one of my boys from the Bombers, Andy McGrath. Yeah. If he, he's looking fit in the preseason, so I, I just need to see his role. But if he's got a nice role across half back, he can accumulate it. So, do you think yeah, he's I better think, off half back than than in the middle of the, attending CBAs? I, I think so. Yeah. It depends how Brad Scott's going to play him, but I think he can rack it up a fair bit across there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. It is a juicy role in AFL fantasy that that half back role. Uh, you know, Jaden Short scored high when yeah. he was playing that last year, and when yeah. he went to the midfield, he really he really took a dip. So yeah. the half back role, like that Doherty role, it can really be be quite high scoring if if you're the right type of player. So I need to have a closer look at him. Um, yeah. And then there's I think also. So Jack Bowers is quite cheap at Geelong, who went to Geelong. Oh, yes, think from, he's from, from Gold Coast. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he'll be yeah, one to watch. 400, so he's, he's another one to watch. Especially um, a quite new, cheap. new team. We'll have to keep an eye on him during the preseason. Yeah. That's an interesting yeah. name. What about in the mids? In the mids, um, obviously a lot of people are talking about Dom Sheet already. Yeah. For me, he's he's he's, he's, he's well-priced, so you, you want to watch him and yeah. – yeah, I'm probably not saying anything that no one already knows. Um, another player I, I, I said already said a field. Another player I like. I don't think I'd choose him. But I traded him out after round two last year. Matt Rowe. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's. I don't think he's priced well enough to pick. But no. I don't know. He looks like he's a year over his injuries. He's working on his game in terms of spreading, getting more ball on the outside, and he was a fantasy stud. So oh, he was. It That's, wouldn't he, surprise me. He promises yeah, so much. If, if he can just take a few marks, get a couple of plus sixes, um, yeah, will be a stud again. Hopefully, it was. Yeah, there, I don't think I pick him. Yeah, about the forwards. Forwards. I don't think I have anybody off the top of my head besides you. I mean, Ben Cunnington, maybe. Yeah. He's yeah. not super cheap. He's, he's around at 600, I think. I think he's, yeah. He's but it's, I, I think the biggest question is how many of those top elite midfielders right. are you going to put in your forward line out of Dunkley, Coniglio, Taranto, Rosie, yeah. and there's a few others. Like, how many are you going to start? That could dictate how well yeah. you go. I think, I think that's the question. Hey, it's going to be a structure question yeah. for the forwards. And, and do you have a forward yeah. in your midfield, potentially, just because of the values there? Um, and then and then lastly, the those those nasty, bloody big fellas, the rucks. So you, <laughs> I know, obviously, you, you did well with your rucks last season. Is there a structure that you think, do you think there is value in the rucks this year? Or is there a set and forget? Uh, with maybe a couple other players involved there? It's, look, English is the obvious standout, I reckon, um, just because he's going to be the number one ruck. Yeah. Lob's not a ruckman. He's a chop-out. He's a forward. Um, so there's not that danger of Steph Martin coming in and taking his role. So he, he should get a good run in it. So you'd think English is a good pick, but he, he isn't cheap. Um, second rucks, it's a real tough one. Cameron looks like a good pick if he gets the if he gets the sole ruck. Yeah. If Mason Cock plays again, I don't know. You have to watch that one. Um, what I've seen of Grundy this preseason, he looks super fit. Like, he looks really lean, really one. fit. 
So you consider um, potentially going that to, uh, I guess, yeah, English and Grundy are both premium options. You consider just going with those two to, to begin with rather than looking for a value option? Look, it's just things like that when I see how fit he's looking. Yeah. I just take note of it yeah. and, I, and I watch it in the preseason because if he's going to split with Max, he's probably not a good pick. But you just have to see how he plays and how Melbourne play him. He's not really a great forward. So Yeah, that's that's what I was just going to say. Of the two of them, you're going to play Gorn forward before you play Grundy forward, so that probably suggests that perhaps Grundy gets a little bit more time in the middle, so we'll have to see how that evolves, hey? Yeah, but there's a few cheap picks, like Lloyd Meek and a few others, so you just got to watch and see who presents themselves. Um, yeah. But I'm not set and forgetting the rocks this year. All, all, all good advice there. I like a lot of those picks. So thank you so much, Matt, for, for jumping on the podcast, mate. I really appreciate you uh, spending your time with us. Uh, where can everyone find you? Not that, you know, obviously a huge following of fans uh, can come and boost your followers, uh, but where can people find you on Twitter and uh, what have you got going on these days, man? Um, it's just at Matt Mottram on Twitter. It's pretty basic, my name. Um, yeah, that's the main source to, to follow me. I can't really answer everyone's questions, but... Um, yeah, I'll try and try and make a few comments here and there where I can. But yeah, I'm not really on there to answer everyone's questions more there just to follow the news and, and obviously communicate with a few of the guys online. Yeah, no worries. Thank all good. We'll, thank we'll you take so much the front of those questions, mate. But uh, yeah, That's thank it. you so much for coming on. Um, thank you guys for, for listening along. If you, are, again, want to subscribe to our YouTube channel, it would be much appreciated. Make sure if you are listening along onto Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you uh, follow along there. Give us a five-star rating if you can. And uh, we will see you next time, guys. We are going to be talking about defenders, underpriced, overpriced, and also some mid-prices. So check us out there, guys. Wait. credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.